0: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Unbound and Rewound podcast, a horror podcast, where we look at every movie and book to take a closer look into their bone chilling anatomy. I am Avery, your movie and book loving host, and I am joining you for another week of great discussion. However, this week is not about a particular movie or a particular book. Instead, it is about a bunch of different movies. Yeah, just movies, not books. Um, But before we get into the nitty-gritty of what this week's episode is about, how are we doing? What are we watching? What are we streaming? What are we reading? Uh, This week, I have not actually made time to really watch anything besides what is being discussed. In this episode I'm reading this book called groupies I don't know who would buy but it's published by HarperCollins and it's very very good I've actually been reading it for quite some time now because it's kind of a long a long book but I've also just had other things going on such as moving I recently moved from Florida to New York City it's been a great time you know uh, my first big move So it's been very interesting as well, but it's been hard to adjust to a new life and a new lifestyle and just kind of like reorganizing my life from what it was before. And so if you follow me on Instagram or Twitter um, or TikTok, you may have noticed just like a change in things in terms of me not posting at all. (laughs) And that's just because life's been super hectic. However, I am jumping back on the horse. I'm here, ready to talk all things movies and books with you all, and we're literally only, like, um, I think we're only, like, three or four weeks away from the last episode of this season. If you remember, in my very first episode of this season, I was talking about, like, a new structure to the podcast. I do three months on, and then I take one month to, you know, organize the next season of the podcast and just kind of take time for myself, and so that is what April is going to be for me, but I will, of course, still stay active as best as I can uh, on my Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter for you all, because, uh, I mean, there's going to be great movies coming out in April, I think Evil Dead's coming out in April, Rinfield is coming out in April, so I can't just leave you all hanging, you know, I know that you all rely on me and only me for all of your film reviews. Uh and I'll also, of course, there's books too. There's a bunch of different books coming out. So yeah, you make sure that you're following me on my social medias so that even if there are not new episodes coming out, you're still getting all of the your horror content that you can. But this week's episode Uh, I realized that I did not, I skipped an episode in February to kind of get my life situated, but in February I didn't do a a Black History Month themed episode, you know, and I remember planning out the month of February for the podcast and thinking like, oh, I can't wait to do all of the all of the Black History themed content, and I didn't do any of it because life was just so crazy. But now we're like in we're like in the season of Women's History Month, so I decided to take all of my problems, mash them together, and come up with the smartest idea I I think that I could have ever came up with, and that is a combination of black history and women's history to make this very special episode of black women in horror you might be thinking to yourself Avery there's really not a lot but those that are there are either corny or they die in the first 15 minutes and that is why I decided to do this is because I want to talk briefly talk about the whole the history of black women in horror What was once like the only thing we had for Black women in horror, to to what we have now, and kind of understand why Black women in horror have either been scarce or just kind of been a tool to further establish stereotypes. I I'm really excited to talk about this episode and to talk about everything that I've you know researched for it. Because I think it's really important when it comes to talking about just horror noir and black horror. But I also think that I, I would love to see more black women in horror. We have so many great things as of the 21st century. We have I Know What You Did Last Summer 2 with Brandy. We have um, Scream 2. I don't know who that actress is. She, she did great. <laughs> Um, we have The Craft, we have, I mean, we have all of the Jordan Peele universe, like, the cinematic universe, all of that, but I think that there's also still so much more to go when it, as it comes to, or when it comes to black women and the way that we show up in the, in the horror genre. So for this episode particularly, uh, I chose three movies that center around black women and black experiences, good or bad? I'll note the honorable mentions afterwards, so do not assume that I forgot any, but many black films these days have black women a part of their cast list. However, not all of them are about black women, and so that's what this episode is about. I didn't want to talk about Scream 2 with Jada Pinkett Smith, because to look at where horror once was with with black people but also just black women um, and then to look at a horror movie with a black female character that one is not in there for more than 10 minutes but also doesn't really do anything to dispel one, what we've seen in the past um i feel like it, it wouldn't really take this episode very far if that makes sense So, I chose three movies that either capture black film history well, depict the black experience in a more holistic way, or enter something... not enter... or introduce something new to the black horror genre. And I'll talk about them in order because each one sort of paved the road for the one following. If you've listened to any other episode uh, that I've done in the past... Especially the black horror episode I think I did in season two or maybe the end of season one. Um, I I say it very often, but of course, like, horror has always existed as an other to mainstream Hollywood and society. It's one reason why it doesn't get recognized by the Academy Awards, uh, the Oscars, and it's another reason why marginalized people tend to flock towards it more. In the earliest days of horror, women made up a majority of the theater audiences in the 60s and 70s because of the powerful tropes being established by female horror protagonists. There's one particular movie I'm thinking of. I wish that I could think of the name of it right now. But uh, the storyline is about this man who kills all of the women that he pursues. They're ghosts come back to haunt him and kill him in return and I remember watching something on Shudder it was maybe like the top the top 101 horror moments or something it was a countdown list I think and it was talking about this movie particularly and how the audience at the time that the movie was released it it attracted a lot of women because especially at the time that it was released, between the 60s and 70s, this was a time where women were being introduced to liberation, but they weren't 100% there quite yet. And so to see a movie, a horror movie in particular, that, yes, women were possibly the victims, but in the end, they they still got the last word. They still got uh, their, their flowers in the end, I, I think it was something that was very palatable to women at the time. Now, black women flock to theaters to see black female horror characters do what Jamie Lee Curtis didn't in 1978. Don't get me wrong, y'all. I love Jamie Lee Curtis. I love all my final girls. But a lot of the final girls that we see are a white and you know how like if you've ever been if you if you're on Twitter or like Facebook and it's like, oh, white people in horror movies versus black people in horror movies, like black people in horror movies would not go into a dark basement. Of course, this is all plot device. But hypothetically speaking, if this was the real world. Black people would not go into a dark basement. Whereas white people are like, they hear a noise and they're like, Oh, Aaron, are you down there? Is that you? Because I haven't seen you in a while. So I think the noise in the basement must be you. Surely it's not a ghost. Whereas black people are like, I don't care who's in the basement. I don't care even if it's my friend. I'm not going down there. This is something that can be celebrated. Uh, especially as it as it pertains to black women in horror and the characters that they often that they often take up in these movies, but it shouldn't go without acknowledging that the strong black woman or sassy black woman stereotype is often ingrained into these horror characters as well. Look at Jada Pinkett Smith in Scream 2, for example. Or maybe that's not even, like, necessarily the best example. I say I would say the best example of what I'm saying right now would be Kelly Rowland in Freddy vs. Jason, where she sticks up to Freddy in a way that we didn't really see Nancy do in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, Nancy is the final girl, and she goes down in history as just that, but Kelly Rowland, her character in that movie is memorable because of the way that she talked to Freddy. Yes, it was problematic, sure, but in the end, in the end, that is what we remember from that movie. That's all I'm saying. When we're looking at the history of black women in horror movies, we go from seeing the most problematic thing ever to the most unique and creative thing as well. And so the three movies that I chose... Um, were Sugar Hill, which was released in 1974, Eve's Bayou, which was released in 1997, and then Black Hair, which was released in 2020. And if you're thinking, oh where's this, where's that, Where this? You just wait till the end. Please. I beg you. So now I will be getting into the very first movie, which is Sugar Hill. There's no spoilers. So honestly, Listen on, and if one of these movies sounds interesting to you and you've never heard of it before, you've never watched it, go ahead and add it to your watch list. I will give a warning right now, though. Sugar Hill is not one of those movies that you necessarily should want to watch. It's very campy, very campy, but it's also a black exploitation film, too. Uh, It was made in 1974, and this was, like, the peak of black exploitation films as well, which, uh, this refers to, like, a specific film genre that was made popular in the 70s and early 80s, where the, the hero or heroes are black, and they have to fight some sort of battle, engage some enemy, or otherwise solve some problem in ways involving violence, intimidation, or extreme action skills. This term specifically was coined by the NAACP, as it was criticizing the genre for what it considered to be a negative image for African Americans. And so, whenever you do hear, oh, it's a black exploitation film, it's, you know, whatever, whatever, a lot of these films, while they were very heavy with a black cast, sometimes, most times, they were produced by white people, and so you saw these negative stereotypes. And, yes, they allowed for black actors and even possibly... Uh, black film crews to experience what had once been reserved for white people, but the campiness and exaggeration of black stereotypes it didn't provide a strong foundation for audiences to appreciate it the right way. Uh, however, for this specific film, Sugar Hill, it was written and produced by white men, and which makes it even more problematic because it's one thing for a film like this to be produced by black people. And, yes, you can acknowledge the harmful stereotypes that it creates, but when you consider the time that it was being created, you can understand why the black people who made it were willing to go along with it. You know, they were being given the opportunity, um, no matter the repercussions per se. But when a white man makes it, oh my gosh. Like, why? Who? why do you why you know oh my gosh i can't i can't even begin to speak on it because i just i possibly cannot understand the absolute uh, audacity and and confidence in making something that you have no idea about which i will be referring back to this as we talk about the last film so i will pause on that but before we talk any more about this movie uh it it aired in 1974 and it stars uh, Marky Bay, Robert Quarry, and Don Pedro Colley. And the synopsis is the boyfriend of Diana Sugarhill, played by Marky Bay, an African-American photographer, is murdered by a group of predominantly white gangsters with the help of voodoo practitioner Mama Matrice and Lao Baron Sametti sugar raises a zombie army to exact revenge on the man who killed her lover now what the synopsis does not include is the fact that these zombie army it, they are old, they're like dead slaves that's what the movie alludes to at least of course you know like the the uh, the dialogue in the movie is uh, very stereotypical to what white Americans at the time thought black people sounded like, and I. Th- it also is very exploitative to voodoo, or hoodoo. In this movie, Sugar turns to a a hoodoo priestess for help, but she's depicted as quote unquote this crazy lady, this, you know, lady, this kind of spectacle of a woman. It's not a very authentic or respectable image of the actual religion they're depicting. However, you do have this depiction of a very uh I don't wanna say strong black woman because that has become such like a bad stereotype. But at the time it was a depiction of a strong black female character. She was literally like fighting for her lover's honor and she was like rounding up all of these people that killed her lover. She was at the top of this, you know, like supernatural pyramid that had been created. And so to see a black woman in a role like that had to have been really cool and really empowering but then, as time moves on and you, sh- you start to learn how movies like this influenced the bad stereotypes and even the bad roles that black people, specifically black women, were put into as they ventured into horror or just regular roles in Hollywood in general, you realize that this is not the revolutionary movie that it was might have been considered as when it first came out. I actually saw a review for this movie and somebody said, "Oh, this is my favorite this is my favorite black exploitation film I've ever seen." As a non-black person, I don't understand how you could say this is my favorite black exploitation movie. It just sounds weird. But maybe that's just me. The next movie though, is is like a turnaround, a complete 180 from Sugar Hill. And this movie is Eve's Bayou, which was directed by Cassie Lemons. Uh, this movie aired in 1997, starring Journey Smollett, Samuel L. Jackson, and Lynn Whitfield. And it follows um, a family in the 1960s in Deep, Louisiana. A young girl sees her well-to-do family unravel in the wake of the infidelities of her charming father, setting in motion a series of deceptions and betrayals that will upend her world and challenge her understanding of reality. And so this story is rooted in Creole history, folklore, and mysticism. When I was searching up black horror movies and specifically looking for for female-led black horror movies, this is what came up. And it's categorized as a gothic horror, but seeing all of the different horror movies we have today, it kind of rings truer to a thriller. From 2000 to 2016, we saw a boom in black women-led psychological thrillers. Beyonce in, oh my god, what was that movie called? I do not remember. But uh, you have the movie with Beyonce in it, you have When the Bow Breaks, you have um, The Perfect Stranger, like all of those different psychological thrillers that for some reason seem to star Michael Ely. Don't know why, but they tend to be more palatable to people who shy away from horror. But I also think it's a bigger financial opportunity for these actresses. And I, I say this because... As I opened up this episode, I talked about how horror is just not seen as a serious genre. It's not even recognized in award ceremonies. And it's for, for a horror fan, it's very frustrating. I think, most recently, the Academy Awards, maybe? Um, or maybe it was the Oscars. Yeah, I think it was the Oscars. I don't know. Anyways, I don't care. I don't like the awards ceremonies. I think they're stupid anyways but whichever one that was most recent like i think terrifier 2 was nominated as a joke but like even when you look at mia goth's performance in pearl you're telling me that didn't get it that didn't get a nomination i feel like i'm on punked and that's just the truth of the matter they look at horror as something that is just so so like beneath them And so I can see why black actresses who are in search of work, they're already facing the problem of most roles being made for white women or non-black women. A lot of black actresses do not fit into the mold that these casting directors are looking to feel. And so... I can see why they wouldn't go for horror because they're already struggling to find a role that's made for them in the first place. Um, So psychological thrillers are probably the next best thing. And I don't think it would be a complete reach to suggest that Eve's Bayou inspired those thrillers that followed it. Now, at the time that this movie was being produced... Black horror movies had been a thing for the past 20 years, as we see, as we saw with Sugar Hill. However, they centered race and harmful stereotypes, like the people under the stairs. If you've never seen that movie, add it to your watch list. Uh, and they were also more horror, more of a horror comedy, like People under under the stairs. This was in part due to the mass conception that black horror movies were always low-quality, quote-unquote, and campy. So when Eve's Bayou was pitched, Hollywood executives didn't understand who would want to watch a dramatic movie that just so happened to be about a black family instead of a black family dealing with black issues. That's something that I really liked about this movie, in particular, is because it, while obviously from the, the fashion of the movie and the dialogue of the movie uh, and the setting, like you could tell that it took place in the 1960s, but you didn't see them dealing with mm, Jim Crow, uh, with the Jim Crow laws, the Black Code. You didn't see them dealing with racism at all. Because if I think that if the story even shed light on it a little bit, then the entire movie would be would become something completely different. Whereas without it, it just allows a black family to simply exist in a world where their race is not the number one problem. Instead, the number one problem is a man. <laughs> Ain't that ironic? But yeah, Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson did an interview with, I think, like... People's Magazine or something like that, and he was talking about how, because he produced it, he helped to produce it at least, um, and he was talking about when he was pitching it to Hollywood executives, they were just kind of confused as to why Samuel L. Jackson thought that this could work in a theater. But the authentic depiction of black spiritualism and inspiring female relationships heavily contrasted what Hollywood had produced prior. Black people on screen had become caricatures that fueled the negative stereotypes held against them. Hoodoo and voodoo respectively were always depicted from spectacle lenses and the quote-unquote crazy reclusive woman was who the protagonist would visit for help like in Sugar Hill or even White Zombie in 1932. For this movie, it deconstructed a lot of prejudice and misconceptions that movies like Sugar Hill created. It created a path for some of the most prolific black horror movies of the 21st century. And as I was watching this, in my head I was like, "Mm, this isn't necessarily a horror, but I think that gothic is horror. No, it's not creepy, it's not crawly, it's not going to keep you up at night, but there is an aspect of it that is horrifying. For Journey Smollett's character, this, like, six-year-old, seven-year-old kid who just found out that her dad's cheating on her mom and she's having to keep it, and somebody else told her, like, oh, if you tell anybody, I'm going to kill you. Like, literally looked her in her eyes and told her that she's going to kill her. That's, like, that's a lot of weight on a child's shoulders. On top of that, she has supernatural, like, telekinetic abilities. She's able to just simply touch somebody, see what's on their mind. She's able to see the future. And so there's just a lot of stuff in this little child's head. Between that and the imagery was really good as well. I think the imagery added a lot to the horror um, aspect so i don't know i feel like i would deem it as horror even if the next person would not and who are you gonna listen to right right the third movie on the list is black hair directed by justin simeon i hope i pronounced that right um it's a hulu original movie and it came out in 2020 starring Elle lorraine kelly Rowland, laverne cox and James Vanderbeek, let me tell you something. When I first watched this movie, I thought my life was changed. Of course, I did watch this in tw- I think it was 2020 or 2021, somewhere in between there. But I felt like it was quite—I won't say revolutionary, but unique to say the least. It's set in 1989. About an ambitious young woman who gets a weave in order to succeed in the image obsessed world of music television. All the while, her BET like company is being uprooted and the Afrocentric colleagues are being replaced with much lighter and whiter. However, her flourishing career may come at a great cost when she realizes that her new hair may have a mind of its own. If you look at reviews for this movie, you'll see. Some of the most mixed reviews that I've ever encountered quite frankly I feel like it's very split down the middle with people who either really really like it or people who really really don't like it and It seems that the people who don't like it Are looking at it from a little bit of a smaller scale than how it's meant to be perceived Um, And of course, that's just my opinion, everyone is entitled to their own opinion, um, and the people who have seen this and have reviewed it poorly, um, you know, they viewed it how they viewed it, and that's completely fair. Something that can be said about this movie, or should be said, I guess, is that it was directed by a man, a black man, a black queer man, um, but it's a story about black women. And so, I say it all the time on this podcast, like, you know, when a man makes a movie about a woman, it just usually never goes right. It never does. That can, uh, that can be true for this movie to some degree as well. Um, I do think that had a black woman made this movie, there would have been a lot more, um, like the context of the story and the authenticity would have just been greater to so many degrees. Um, But because this is kind of the first of its kind, I really liked it. And I think that it is the first of what we may see in the future. The thing that makes this movie so unique is that the body horror um, is more specific to the black experience. As Anna is getting her weaves sewn in, it's used as a tension-building moment, and anyone can watch the scene and get nervous that her head will get poked or stabbed with the needle. However, only a certain demographic, (coughs) black women, know the tension of sitting for, for a few hours to many hours while your tender head gets yanked on. And this movie is categorized as a horror comedy, but I think that just is kind of a safety net for the absurdity of a weave being a monster and the low budget that they had to work with. It's a it's a B horror movie, but I think the 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 satirical aspect of it. I don't know. I. I saw a review um, that kind of said that the movie seems like it can't decide whether it wants to make you laugh or scare you. I think that's a very fair observation of this movie because yeah, it, it, but I mean on the, on the other side or the flip side of things, you could see that as a very good balance of horror and comedy. There was a movie recently that I watched that was a horror comedy as well, and I liked the fact that it seemed to have a very equal balance. Oh no, actually it wasn't a movie, it was a book, it was a Grady Hendrix book. My very like last episode before this one, um, it had a very, a very equal balance of horror and comedy, uh, and I quite frankly liked that and so as i was reading these comments uh there seems to be a disconnect on whether the true villain is the black woman or the weave i do see how some people can understand the satirical context as a critique of black women because you know these black women in this movie are conforming to the social standards and beauty standards that are being forced upon them, but uh, I see it on a broader scale than that. How can we be the villain for simply adapting to a society that tries everything in their willpower to exclude us? And I think that's one thing that makes the black experience what it is as well. You know, it's not so much that... It's our fault for adapting. It's, it's, it's a survival instinct at this point because we've seen from Sugar Hill to Eve's Bayou to black hair that all we've ever had to do is adapt or fight simply to survive. I think that black women being in horror, the idea of survival is so much more stronger compared to the final girls we've seen in you know the very classic horror slashers and like i said don't get me wrong i love my final girls i really do but i want to start seeing some black final girls because i think it's about time i really do now the honorable mentions for movies these are all very great horror movies that center black women, just not necessarily the black experience, or if they center the black experience, uh, they just, there was just simply too many to talk about. Like, any Jordan Peele movie, I could have sat here and included us, but then we would have been here for an entire day and a half talking about us. Same with Get Out, same with Nope. Um, another one, it's not a movie, but American Horror Story season, uh, oh my gosh, season two, Coven, season two or three, uh, with Angela Bassett, oh, she did amazing in that show, and I also don't think that it was so much more of an exploitation of hoodoo, but a very powerful depiction of it, if anything, you also have Ma with Octavia Spencer, oh. She does great in that movie, too. And Queen of the Damned. You cannot forget about. I don't think it was Aaliyah's screen debut, but. Aaliyah as a vampire queen? How am I supposed to miss out on that? Talking about these three movies, The Honorable Mentions, and any other movies that you can even think of that can, you know, that involve black women protagonists. I think we've already begun to see the lasting effects that movies like *Eve*, Bayou and us have had on Hollywood. However, there's just so much more work that can be done to fully include black women in horror. A lot of the reviews for Bad Hair specifically were talking about how, you know, this was a really good opportunity to include black women in horror beyond just the cast list. Um, and, I didn't look too much into the production process, whether uh, the director referred to black women as he was writing it. I didn't look into that. If he did, great. If not, that was an opportunity to, to do so. And I think a disconnect for a lot of men is, or just privileged people in general. Um, when you're a person who experienced privilege, and especially in Hollywood, like, I, I think it was the episode I did, I think it was last night in Soho, uh, with Edgar Wright, and he had written the script with a woman, and so, like, yeah, he wrote it with a woman, but exactly how much, uh, leeway was she given in her, in her, like, writing efforts, you know? And so I think when it comes to people with privilege, being able to step away from the opportunity um, and access of, of more power and being able to extend that to those who rightfully deserve it just as much as you, I think people fail to do that sometimes. If that power were to be extended to those who can authentically reflect the stories of black women more, uh, we would be able to see the kind of horror that at least I'm looking for. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for more black women in horror. I need it, a little femme noir. You know, horror is simply just for the girls. It's always been for the girls, and it will remain that way. And uh, hopefully, as the future pans out, it will be more for the black girls as well. Um, because me, as a black woman, I need to see my people. I need to see my people in the genre that I so, so rightfully love and adore. I currently have a horror noir letterbox to list up. And I actively contribute to it. Um, so, the movies that I talked about on this episode are a part of that list and there's also a bunch of other black horror movies that you may or may not have heard of on that list as well so if you're interested in seeing any of the movies I talked about in this episode or any other of my horror noir suggestions uh, make sure that you're following my letterbox. it's at averycof you can also follow me on instagram and twitter and tiktok My Instagram and Twitter are your horror podcasts. Like, it's your horror podcast because it is the horror podcast that you turn to, that you listen to, that you absolutely adore. Thank you so much. And then my TikTok is the Unbound and Rewound podcast. Um, Like I said a little, or as I was opening up this podcast, I did mention I've been a little slow, a little reclusive in posting, and I hope to get a little bit better at that as my life has seemed to balance out just a little bit after moving. Um, but you know, on there I post movie reviews, I post movie lists, I just post fun little movie book memes, and so yeah. If there's ever a book or movie that you want to see or hear me. Review on the podcast. Um, definitely send me a message. I want to know what you all are watching, what you all are reading, um, and if you're ever interested in being a guest on the show, the guest form will be linked in the show notes below. So make sure you check out that. I also have a merch store. Now, this is not because I expect you all to spend your hard-earned money on my merch. It's- I created it for myself because I am my biggest fan and I wanted stickers I wanted a tote bag I wanted a button uh, for myself oh and there's also metal bookmarks which are so so cool like I didn't know metal bookmarks existed but they do uh, so those are also on there too uh, but all of that stuff on there I did for myself however If you just so happen to want to take advantage of something that I did for myself and get something for yourself too, I would not blame you. I think that would be like, you know, do what you got to do. Live your truth. I will support you just like you support me. So yeah, and I also have an Amazon wish list in the case that, you know, you're thinking, wow, Avery really has been working so hard. She delivers such great horror reviews and opinions, and I just think that she, you know, she needs to treat herself a little bit. There's an Amazon wishlist where you can, uh, you know, send me a little something something. Of course, I won't hold it against you. You don't have to. You do not have to, but if you wanted to, I won't be mad. (laughs) All right, y'all. Well, this episode was short, but impactful nonetheless. And I hope that it has inspired you to look at black horror differently, uh, watch a a black female-led horror movie that you may have never heard of or it's always just sat on your watch list but you never got around to it. Of course, that's always what I hope to do. I hope to change your opinion on something or uh, broaden your watch list somehow And so, if that is what I achieved in this episode, I have done all I need to do. Like, my life's work is done. But if you do watch one of these movies, please reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter and let me know what you thought. Because I I think that would be so, so cool. Anyways, uh, next week we are talking about all things Scream in preparation for the Scream 6 premiere. So you do not want to miss that because if you're planning on watching Scream, you're going to need a little recap and you're going to need to learn all of the theories that are currently circulating as it regards to Scream 6. So, tune in next week. I can't wait to see you and uh, have a great week. Bye.